Hey Whitney. Hey Carly. I'm on a singing strike. Why? Well, because we don't get any feedback on it. Well, I mean, Tatiana said to keep singing, but there's got to be more than Tatiana that either wants me to sing or doesn't. So I'm going to be on strike until I get someone that tells me you should keep singing. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> okay, they were in reality, I just didn't think of a song for insects or beetles. I There's mean, so many Beatles songs. Oh, I know. What's your favorite Beatles song? I don't know. I just know there's a lot of them. Can you name a Beatles song? Hey Jude. Hey Jude, don't take it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Okay, name another one. Let's see if I can do it. Help. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know, you know I, I need, need someone. someone. Help. Help. <laughs> hey. Any other ones? No. What are the ones where they're on Skadelics? Oh my god. You know two Beatles songs? I'm sure I would know them if I heard them. Oh, that's disappointing, but I guess my singing strike ended. That lasted. That lasted, uh... One minute, 26 seconds. Damn. I, I got a problem. One. Someone help me. Make a stop. Help. <laughs> so we did talk about beetles during this episode kind of sort of somewhat mostly we tried we tried again focus a little off but i feel like the insects we did talk about other than beetles was some really cool stuff about their penises okay <laughs> yeah but not as i mean we talked about cockroaches too which i think more people should learn about so they can kind of maybe get over their fear of them but yeah we we learned a lot about insects, and I feel like I would like to have other entomologists on because I have so many other insect questions. I want to learn way more. I wanted to take an entomology class, but it was canceled, and I picked botany, which I know I talked about in the episode, but I just needed to reiterate that because it was very disappointing. I feel like you just implied you don't want to have Tony back. Oh, no, I'd love to have Tony back. Yeah, definitely super interesting as always. I feel like I learned a lot, which means maybe I just don't know a lot in the first place, but that's okay. That's what it's all about. You don't know a lot about anything. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do. I mean, we can talk about Xenarthra. I do know kind of a lot about Xenarthra. If you want to talk about prairie dogs, happy to chat about prairie dogs. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't want to overshadow a guest with my knowledge. It so. also wouldn't make sense to talk prairie dogs to an entomologist. Oh, actually it would because it's fleas and plague. And we did talk about that. We did. In the other episode. In the other episode. Right. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Any, Any housekeeping? How's it been? Did we say the name of our podcast? What is it? I don't know. Hidden H. Humans. In. Their. Natural. Habitat. We did introduce ourselves, though, so we at least got that out of the way. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> We're so, learning as we go. Yeah. yeah. I need to address something t with you because you worked with me the other day. Yes? Probably. You did. And I got home and, you yeah. know, went to take a shower because I do that. And I noticed I had a hole in the butt of my pants. And none of y'all told me I had a giant hole in the ass of my pants. And I mean, I don't know how you guys missed it because it was really big. I honestly didn't notice. 
god i was bending over so much and yeah i was right by the pocket and i'm like i really hope i wasn't wearing like bright pink underwear i honestly don't remember but i just i looked at my pants when i put them in the hamper and was like oh shit how long did i have a hole in my ass Maybe. Well, I mean, everyone has a hole in their ass, but in my pants. I don't know. Remember that time my pants ripped? Yes. <laughs> I have, like, heard that rip. <laughs> but I feel like we all have gone through that, because this isn't the first time I busted through my pants. It wasn't even the first time today I busted through my pants. But when we worked together at the other zoo, every person, every girl had an a busting out of their pants episode mine happened when i was putting down a crate at raptors and i had to keep my um sweater tied around my waist the rest of the day day. luckily it was cooler same i had to do the jacket around the waist but now i've learned my lesson and i actually have an extra pair of pants in my locker yes so do i but no one told me there was a hole i didn't notice i didn't even hear it usually hear like a rip you know uh, do you remember the one girl we worked with? She was going to go on stage with a hole in the ass for pants. And I did like the whole like mother like took off my sweater. Like, no, sweetie, you're going to be wearing this sweater around your waist. Yeah, because she, she didn't care. No, she's like, no, I'm going to show my ass and my panties. I don't actually think she was wearing a thong. <laughs> she's just going to show bare ass. It was a huge hole. Okay. I feel like we need to talk about this. Why would you want something up your butt in like a physical job? I don't ever wear thongs. Um, maybe that's maybe reason number 82 why I'm single. But I just don't find them comfortable. You know what? I'll wear a thong when a guy wears a thong. That's the deal. Well, sometimes they do. I just mean at work. Like, I'm just trying to be comfortable. It's a lot of bending, squatting, lifting, twisting, moving around. I'm not trying to have a perma wedgie all day. No, but I feel like some girls are like, no, it's comfortable. Like, I prefer it. And I don't. But, you know, everyone to each their own kind of thing. I guess. But I feel like definitely worse to rip the ass portion of your pants when you're not wearing underwear. Because, I mean, you're smart. You usually wear, like, the same color underwear as your pants. (laughs) Was that too much? (laughs) Should I have not have told the world you wear khaki panties at work? I don't. <laughs> I thought you did. I thought when you were going shopping that one day and you ran into No, they're grandma underwear, but they're not khaki. Oh, I think you wore the khakis. I don't know that they make khaki underwear. <laughs> yeah, like the skin tone. Like, you know, not colors. You wear flesh tone. No. That even sounds worse. Flesh tone panties. Ew. Are they moist? Ew, How no. much worse can we okay. make this? We just lost like five listeners when you said moist. <laughs> so flesh and panties. We've gone off topic again. <laughs> Welcome. Here's the thing. The whole point of the story was I had a hole in my pants and none of my girls let me know that. And, and I, I understand you don't stare at my ass, but I feel like it was noticeable. It wasn't. I'm sure to a guest it was when I was bending over at the window of Prairie Dogs cleaning with my ass just up in the air at the the window. window. Okay. Did you notice them all leaving? Actually, yeah. (laughs) I'd leave too. But the same thing. Okay, so I was actually not wearing these pants today. I put on. I thought you were going to say I wasn't wearing panties. Yeah, Yeah, I wasn't wearing panties. No, No, I was because I don't do that. But um, I had a different pair of pants on and I pulled them up and they ripped. 
So I think I've gained some weight too. So I'm just like ripping pants left and right. The core in 15. I don't think I did. I gain 15 pounds. No, you didn't. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm big and I need to diet. I'm just like, well, my, my pants, pants are, are ripping. ripping. Maybe yeah. they're just really old. It's probably just that your pants are old. Our pants have a short shelf life. They do. Anyway, maybe, maybe we should get, get on topic again. How's work been for you? Well, this is already almost 10 minutes long. Yeah. So we don't have to. Okay, let's not get into you. We've talked enough about me. <laughs> yeah, enough about you. Let's talk about not you. All right, so on to the episode. Thank you so much for listening to just me, not Whitney, in this intro. Bye. <laughs> All right, so we are back with Tony, and we're going to talk about some really cool Beatles. Ringo, John. Paul McCartney. George Harrison, those oh, guys? Real cool. Really cool Beatles. But no, we're going to talk about the, the insect. insect category of Beatles. What is that category's name? Hmm? What's the name? The Coleoptera. The Coleoptera? The, the Coleoptera. The Coleoptera? Yeah, or Coleoptera. Coleoptera. Yeah. Words. Words. So Latin. yeah. Words. Words. Nope. No. <laughs> Your favorite beetle is the tiger beetle, I assume? Yeah, I like like the tiger beetles a lot. But, you know, very hard to pick a favorite. Because, because of the, the exoskeleton? exoskeleton. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, that is hard. Lots of beetles because they're, the diversity in beetles, you know, there's like 500,000 species of beetle. Right now, it is the most numerous group of animals on the, on the planet. Beetles? Beetles, yes. More species of beetle than anything else. With the, you know, wasps and flies are, are quickly approaching, but uh, right now beetles still have have the top spot. What makes a beetle a beetle? What makes a beetle a beetle? A lot of beetles have uh, a hardened first pair of wings called elytra that um, cover their their flight wings underneath. Uh, you know, beetles are super super diverse. She gets stuck in the bathroom. Oh. That's Turtle, the dog, not... No, that's Carly. She's stuck in the bathroom <laughs> between, between the toilet and the wall. We've all been there. I love how that's the voice I make for myself. So Beatles. Beatles. Hard wings. Hard wings. Complete metamorphosis. Complete metamorphosis? Yeah, so they have the egg, talk, yeah, talk the larva, that. the pupa, and the adult stage. So the complete, not like uh, pregnancies or or true bugs that just have the egg and then the nymph, which looks similar to the adult, and then they just grow up uh, to, a, to the adult form. Um, but beetles are super, super diverse, and you know there are some beetles that don't have any wings at all, and there are some beetles that have You just said what makes a beetle a beetle is the hard wing. And that's the beauty of science, is that you can't neatly fit anything into any category, uh, because yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, that first conversation really took a lot out of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Did we talk about Spanish fly? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, but, uh, but yeah, um, Beatles, crazy diverse group. Uh, you know, like I said, over, or 
500,000 described species and we're still adding new ones every year. You know, they can be just like the the June bug, you know, the big big clunky ones that fly in Whitney's ear or fly around your, your porch light at night. You know, some of the the scarab beetles, like the dung beetles. Yes, they're my favorite. Super important for recycling nutri nutrients back into the soil. They're also an important culture, too, because yeah. the Egyptians really loved the scarab beetle. Scarab beetle rolled the sun across the sky. Yeah, if you've ever seen the mummy, you know that they're very important. Pretty cool, like, uh, if you've ever watched the, the dung beetles work, though roll their little balls, uh, the rolling kind, because there's some that'll just dig up underneath and then just pull, pull down from the bottom. Mm -hmm. But the rolling ones, they'll, they'll roll, roll their little ball and they'll stand up on top and they'll kind of look around and they they actually can use the, the Milky Way to orient themselves so they know which way to, to go to where they want to bury. Uh, yeah, I read a study on that. It was really fascinating. They were, you know, trying to figure out if the dung beetle was using the Milky Way, and I remember they had put little hats on them to disorient them and see what happens. And I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a dung beetle with a hat, it's but it's yeah, yeah, it's freaking adorable. Yeah. Even when the beetle's on poop. Yeah, I mean, because you know, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to clean up the. I would love to have dung beetles all over my yard just to help me out a little bit. And and some some of the dung beetles are. Beautiful, the, the genus Spanius, um, the rainbow dung beetles, like are brilliant metallic uh, blues and greens and purples and and you know it's like why are you that pretty when you live in a pile of shit? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you can say that about some celebrities too. <laughs> I don't get the reference. Um, they use beetles for like cosmetics and things too, don't they? Like a lot of the pigments and that's really out of your range. Uh, you, you don't know about makeup? The, 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 I think there are some beetles that they use for pigment, but most of that is the cochineal um, scale insects. And those are the like the white ones you see on the cactus. They just take those and smash them up and they get a nice red pigment out of them. Because I know there's like a thing where it's really hard for, again, I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's hard for them to make like vegan red lipstick right? because vegans consider insects animals as we all should. Yes. And you can't have dead bugs in your lipstick. Right. And you shouldn't. And Starbucks, they were using the cochineal red in their uh, strawberry frappies and then the vegans were losing their minds about it so they had to go to uh, a petroleum based red dye which is way better for the earth you know get it from the gas oh, instead come of come on just drink the beetles it's not cool and i don't <laughs> technically technically as a vegan can you even drink gasoline because it's like it was an animal once too i don't know. oh fossil fuels Okay, now let's defend the vegans. <laughs> I mean, we're getting them out, getting them all night. That's a really good, not good, interesting point. Yeah. Why do we use petroleum-based dyes when we can get all the same dyes from plants and animals? Correct. Ooh. It doesn't seem better to eat plastic. It doesn't. No. Just don't eat a fuck. 
Strawberry frappuccinos are disgusting. That's not even coffee. <laughs> and it's for your fucking 13 year old girls. It's gross, okay? Now you're offending 13 year old girls. <laughs> they should be listening to this anyway. Yeah. Oh, like, like you, you were cursing when you were 13. I was talking about raging blister beetle boners. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. Anyway. Sorry. Beetles. Beetles. Yeah, super diverse, uh, amazing group of in insects um, and animals in general. Like every uh, color you can imagine, uh, you know, they've, they've conquered almost every habitat. You know, you can find beetles in the Arctic. Um, you can find beetles. Uh, there's a parasitic beetle that is called the beaver beetle that lives specifically in beaver pelts. Um, Interesting. And they're, they're parasites on, on beavers. Um, there are, you know... Not my beaver. I can't. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're talking about crab lice. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. Ooh, bug burn. Bug burn. I deserved it. I wasn't going to go there. I tried to bite my tongue. Um, but you shouldn't talk about crab lice, crab lice that way. You know, Back to the beavers. I actually put out an ad in the, the newspaper in college because I was doing a bug collection and they said if you can get something that's not in the collection, we'll give you extra credits. I put an ad on the paper saying that I will discreetly, I will pay you if you, if you send me crab lace because I, I wanted that for my collection and, and I didn't get any responses, oh, oddly enough. Yeah, I, mean, I was in a college town and I was like, there's gotta be crabs out there somewhere, but. Got crabs? Come talk to me. <laughs> this went sideways again. Let's bring it back. Uh, beetles. We're not talking about the thapperins. We're the... talking about the polyopterins. Let's talk about the. Go back to the dung beetle. Why? I mean, because the dung is important not only as a food source, but that's also where they lay their yeah, they eggs. Lay their eggs in the in the dung. They're really good about you know they they cover the dung with a special antibacterial stuff that that keeps fungus and things from taking over the dung wall. So their babies have like a safe you know place where they can eat all this all all the stuff that they need in order to grow up and pupate and, you know, become adult dung beetles, so. So they're good mothers. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, you know, the, like the, the burying beetles are another good beetle mother. They do uh, dead mice and birds. They'll take the body, they'll uh, strip off all the fur or the feathers, they'll smash it up into, uh, you know, they'll roll it up into a little ball, they'll uh, regurgitate a good, uh, good substance all over it that keeps it from rotting too fast and then they keep the flies and stuff off of it and then their babies eat the the dead stuff that that's buried and they you know they hang around and you know kind of take care of the babies and then uh wait, wait they take care of the babies and they'll kind of help them out for a little bit they're not there for the entire but the best beetles they will they are semi-communal uh so they have little kind of colonies and they lay the eggs and they take care of the little babies and they help by breaking down the wood and then the babies have to eat some of the, the adult frass in order to get the, the bacteria to break down a lot of the cellulose fiber. Hey, what's frass? Uh, frass is a fancy word for uh, high cellulose fiber. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yep. Yeah. Uh, beetles is infinitely deep.
topic and there's all kinds of things we can talk about. Well, I like the, the death thing in Beetle. It's also oh, cool because of the thanatosis. Thanatosis. The little blueberries. Yes, some of them are blue. A lot of beetles, beetles uh, practice the thanatosis. You know, that's a very popular thing for, for weevils. Uh, you know, if you're out collecting weevils, weevils have a, a great defense mechanism that I like to call the weevil drop because you'll see them on a plant and you'll get close to them and you're like, oh, I'm going to collect you and then it goes boop and then it's gone forever. It just, it just drops, drops off into oblivion. And, and Stick bugs do that too, right? Uh, yeah, they'll they'll drop and hold still. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of, that's a popular defense for a lot of insects. It's just drop and hold still because we're, we're so small you can't find us or we are blending into the environment. They have a lot of great adaptations. Now, you, you talked about how a lot of beetles can live anywhere. I know the dung beetle live anywhere except for Antarctica. What, what makes, makes them so adaptable? Everything poops. I mean, dung beetles. Yeah. I don't mean, I mean, like, more than just a dung beetle, um, though, right? Oh. I don't know, just, uh, they've they done, done really, really well. Uh, <laughs> well, there's food everywhere if everything poops. That's all I was saying. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not completely sure of, but the beetles uh, have managed to just thrive uh, in in the world. You know, there's several species of beetle that live in freshwater, you know, aquatic diving beetles and creeping water beetles and, you know, they have amazing adaptations where they hold the bubble of air under their elytra, the hardened wings, extrude the bubble just a little bit out from the, the elytra and they'll actually use that as kind of a Aqualung because the this carbon dioxide that they're excreting through their spiracles, which is the holes that they breathe out on one side, will go into the bubble and then the carbon dioxide will get concentrated in the bubble and will diffuse out into the water and then oxygen will diffuse into the bubble so they can kind of like stay underwater for a really long time because they're using this uh, diffusion of the carbon dioxide and then it's replaced with oxygen and they just use it as kind of like a, a scuba tank and they can stay underwater for a long time. So I feel like beetles, I mean the ones with the big mandibles are scary, but a lot of beetles, people think they're like cute. They're not very intimidating. Do you think there's a reason? Because they wobble, wobble. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, a lot of people we talked about are scared of spiders. A lot of people are scared of scorpions. Cockroaches. Roaches are really scary. But if you see, like, a cute little beetle, death feigning beetle, no one's like, that. Well, it's, I mean, it's cute. Unless it's flying in your ear. Oh, that's, that's different. Death feigning beetles don't fly. What is happening? They're a, a are fused and they don't have flight wings. Um, but yeah, but yeah, they're, they're they are really cool, and they're uh, desert desert specialists, and they like uh, the creosote flats, and um, you know they like to eat a, a lot of different uh, decaying plant material. They also eat uh, carrion, uh, dead dead animal stuff, and um, there's even been some anecdotal kind of stuff that they like to hang out with the giant hairy scorpions, and they kind of like are semi. Cooperative? Cooperative. They like will kind of clean the the legs and stuff of the hairy uh, scorpions. So that's you know interesting kind of anecdotal and um, observation there. But uh, but yeah, so they're they're pretty cool and but they're pretty pretty habitat specific, open flat creosote 
uh, areas or, you know, kind of along riparian areas. Um, but they're yeah, pretty cool. The black death mating beetles are more common, it's kind of all over. You find them in the woodlands and all over the desert. And, but uh, yeah, the tinny brown ants are, are cool. The darkling beetles. Um, what are the normal people call them? <laughs> the darkling beetles. And those are, you know, like the the stink beetles or the clown beetles. Oh, those, are, those are sneaky brown as too, as are the uh, mealworms that, you know, we yes. used to feed. Those are sneaky brown ants. But sneaky brown ants is a, another huge family of beetles. That's how you know you've kept your mealworms too long. Yeah, they turn into <laughs> They beetles. metamorphosize. <laughs> but they have the ones that live in the desert, like the death feigning beetle, have a special, special adaptation to be able to, to be the heat and the lack of moisture. Yeah, and uh, mostly they just live, go underground, and that's where they spend most of their year. Right. But there are some uh, some beetles that <clears throat> have uh, adapted to the desert that have special little texture on their elytra, and they'll stand with their, their abdomens pointed up and their heads pointed down, and first thing in the morning when the, the moisture's kinda higher, then the water will condense onto their body and it will run forward into their mouth and then they'll kind of drink it up. Uh, it's like a surface area and volume ratio situation. Like, you know like lots of desert stuff has extra surface area? No, you know like lots of desert like plants have the extra surface area because it helps like contain the moisture. Yeah, the water. Yeah. Yeah, and the little texture you know, catches the, the beads of moisture and, and uh, concentrates it, and then it forms a driplet and runs down, and then they drink See, it. Up. That's cute. Adorable. Yeah, that is adorable. Yeah, a beetle putting his little tushy up in the air, catching some water. Yeah. Never mind. It was going to get inappropriate. Oh, no, I don't want to go there. I was just going to ask, like, so do beetles have tongues? No. Insects, uh... They, Except tongues. Um, like what? I mean, the, <laughs> the like the <laughs> of like a butterfly or a moth is analogous yeah. to, to a tongue, you know, yeah. and, and lapping, and you know the the fly uh, mouth part is kind of like a spongy, you know, it, they like, and they suck up, uh, you know, first they vomit on things and then they they suck it all up, the good stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, so they're. There's analogies, analogous parts to tongues, but uh, mostly it's mandibles, and then there's um, a couple other associated uh, appendages in the mouth. But it's just kind of like chew it up, manipulate it with the the palps, and then just put it in into the mouth hole, and down it goes. Into the mouth hole, down it goes. What about the beetles with like the big scary? Pinchers. Big scary pincers. So those pincers There's all no have, one can see you. <laughs> have a purpose. Uh, so a lot of the big scary pincer beetles are, are predators. So you're going to use your pincers as a beetle to, to slice up your food in order to you know put it into small smaller pieces before it goes down the mouthful. Um, <laughs> and other beetles with the large mandibles will use it to chew through wood. Uh, like, like the Powerade beetle has an impressive set of chompers on it and they use that to, to chew into the Palo Verde wood and um, 
you know, lay their eggs or to chew their way out. They pupate inside of the wood and then when they emerge, they have to bore their way out of the wood. And then uh, others, like uh, a lot of the stag beetles, mm -hmm. will have big mandibles. Um, and that's just strictly ornamentation and for combat and, you know, to, to gain territories and rights to females, you know, the toughest, uh, toughest male will wrestle and throw the, the other males off and the one who can retain the territory the longest is the most genetically fit and wins the heart of all the ladies and then they go off and they do their beetle things and they make baby beetles. I think we should talk about how they make baby beetles. How, like, I don't know. How do insects reproduce? Like, how do insects copulate? Just like anything else? I mean, it's different. I mean... I know dragonflies have an interesting method. They do. Dragonflies, the males have the, the, the grabbing parts on the back and they'll actually like pierce the eyes of the females and hold them and the female brings up her and then they form a little heart and then he transfers the, the sperm into her. Now, don't some even then go back and like take that sperm out and put their sperm in? I mean, if you want to talk about competing like a lot of uh, a lot of uh, bark beetles and stuff like that yeah a lot of insects when they when they mate they will put a, a plug in so there's, there's oh, no, you know, someone someone can't come in and and displace the sperm but a lot of uh, a lot of beetles especially the bark beetles have evolved just like crazy penises um, with like so it is called a penis in an insect. Uh, yeah, you, they term it penis. Some people call it the adegas. Uh, adegas. I like that word. Yeah. Um, but uh, they have these uh, spines and things on the Oh, I don't like that. On the penis. And when they they go in, they the first act is to remove all of the previous, you know, uh, males' genetics. And then they deposit their own. So, yeah. Uh, that's why the ladybugs deserve the stingers. What? That sounds horrible. There's just like oh, the lady ladybugs just like going just like ripping stuff out. I think meant ladybugs too, like uh, little lady beetles. Yeah, lady beetles, the cute little red ones with the spots. But you're talking about female beetles. Female insects in general. Just female yeah. insects in general. That's yeah. That's, that's praying mantis, black widow. You did. Just, because they literally, so these beetles, just rip it out. You gotta, to, and to ensure that your offspring are the most prevalent in that clutch, you have to remove the genetic material from the last male. So they, there's actually, um, I don't know if you all are interested in that, but if you, if you do the, uh, the, 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 the toys, you know, if you have oh, the toys. <laughs> <laughs> There is actually there is a person out there that, that does 3D micro scans of a lot of these uh, beetle penises, and they make silicone models for. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> but I mean. I know what I'm getting Whitney for her birthday. Horrible. But yeah, there's a company out there that does that. For, I did not know that. I knew butterflies. Link in the description. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, they also do like honey beans of snakes and oh, echidna. Yeah. How did you know I was going to say echidna? That's your favorite penis to talk about. Right. <laughs> Come on, it's four headed. 
What the fuck? Uh, but yeah, there there are people out there who are Sick creating models oh, of sorry. these crazy, spiny, you know, sperm removing appendages and penises, and and you know, everybody has has their thing, I guess. Uh, that is a conversation piece for the mantle. What oh, sweetie, it's not for the mantle. <laughs> Entomologists are weird people. It's, it's okay. We've fixed that. Yeah. So, so yeah, but but yeah, the the copulation is is pretty pretty standard for for most. Really? Just across the board. It's like the male will crawl on top. The dais comes out, goes in, um, and then you know some are like real quick, and some stay for long, long, long times. What is um, a long time? Uh, days. Uh, I don't get time for that. There are some, is that like another mechanism to just like ensure yeah, that those are your offspring? That's mate guarding. Are, are, uh, I'm not sure of any like beetles that, that take it to this extreme, but there are some walking sticks that once the male mates, he like, there he's does. there. And he doesn't, doesn't ever break. He's like there for the, the duration. Damn. That's dedication. But there are also walking sticks that have completely phased out the male and are 100% parthenogenic. Yes. So, uh, there are also some beetles that do that too. Nice. I don't know why they wouldn't like being grabbed and have having all the stuff scraped out of them. I mean, I why they would that's one not hand. unique to be the, you know, in the animal kingdom. That's like, true. Cats too. Right. Like, or anthropomorphic. <laughs> Yeah, that glass of wine yeah. was a great idea. Do do beetles have feelings? But I don't mean that. I mean like nervous systems. Do they have like an equivalent? Do, do they, they feel pain? Do they, they feel it when you squish them? They they do have a, a nervous system, and there are some studies that do suggest like you know when, when you walk up, up and you lift like a log and a beetle sees like a giant standing <laughs> over it. What does it do? It runs away because is it scared? I don't know. Is it just you know trying not to be eating, eaten? Probably. You know, is it is it a primal response that like you know self preservation, or is it like I'm scared? You know. Yeah. Uh, and when you step on a beetle, uh, does it does it twitch because it's you know it's in pain, uh, or does it twitch just because its simple nervous system is is you're still trying to run away. Mm -hmm. and I mean, you cut the head off of one, can it still pinch? Yes. <clears throat> yes, it can. Yeah, and is that like a reflex? Yeah, just self-preservation reflex. I mean, a cockroach can live without its head for a while. For a long time. It starves, right? Or is that it? No, it'll eventually starve. But that's it, how it dies, right? Without yeah. the head, is it starves to death? Yeah, it's I can't mean, eat? It could be you know, fluke loss or whatever, but it will eventually starve because it can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> went dark <laughs> well I just I was just curious you know because obviously like almost all animals have so much higher of a pain threshold than humans which we have previously discussed with somebody else like animals can have these huge open wounds like and they'll just keep going but I was just curious like I mean, if insects feel pain uh, the 
the jury's still out. I mean, I'm sure that there is some pain associated with you know, squashed. getting squashed. Or uh, I've <clears throat> seen uh, like praying mantids were eating uh, a big uh, June beetle, and the mantis ate basically everything out from the inside of it, but, but it, it still had legs and it didn't take the head off. So and it was still it was like I'm gonna get out of here, and it tried to fly, but the wing muscle the muscles that controlled the wings weren't completely there so like some of the wing came up and like I'm gonna get out of here I'm gonna survive and so bugs are you know insects are tough and you know, it's survivors um, and that's probably why they you know have done so well for themselves and that's why they're the most prevalent animal on the world in the world you know that's why people make jokes about cockroaches would like survive a nuclear explosion right because no just Cockroaches really can survive extremely high levels of radiation and temperature, and and they're just like super badass. But they're not beetles. No. I just was asking. They're uh, Platodia, and so cockroaches and termites are in that that order. Platodia. Okay. Why are people so afraid of cockroaches? Because they can move so fast. That's that's is what it, it is fast for me. Movement? Well, I mean. I'm sorry, I'll let you miss oh. I feel like a lot of times people are afraid of things that they see as, like, disease carriers. So people are afraid of rats because they associate rats with, like, unclean conditions and the diseases that they bring on. And obviously, like, the plague, you know, it wasn't really the rats. Like, I feel like cockroaches associate with dirty, even though that's not necessarily true. Um, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, the, uh, myth. And, you know, cultural, like, you have cockroaches, you're dirty. And then, if, you know, cockroaches can harbor some diseases. So if they crawl across your food, then you could get, you know, like, certain bacterial infections that are not very good for you. But, I mean, all in all, like, when people say cockroaches, like, people are afraid of cockroaches. Like, there are uh, 4,500 described species, last time I checked, of cockroach, and of that 4,500 species, there are about 30 that will come into a human dwelling and and live with us. It's the German ones, right? Uh, the German cockroach, the Oriental cockroach, the American cockroach, the brown banded cockroach. Um, All 30. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it could be for a while. Uh, forget some of the rest of them, but yeah, a lot of the you know the ones that people. No, uh, are are the pest ones, but like cockroaches are another another species or another group of insects that are incredibly diverse, and like there are some beautiful cockroaches out there. Like there are cockroaches that they call domino cockroaches that are black with little white spots, and they live in India. There are cockroaches that have uh, they look like you know an abstract art piece, which is like crazy uh, colors and just beautiful, brilliant. There are metallic cockroaches that look a lot like uh, like beetles. There are cockroaches that can roll up into little little balls, like the isopod pill bugs. Um, Those are cockroaches? No. no. You're saying like They're like similar to. Um, yeah, I've like, everything my entire life. Cockroaches are super, super diverse. And when people say cockroaches, they think of like the American cockroach. Uh, you know, the big ones that fly around in Florida, or 
you know, the German or the brown bandit, you know, the icky ones that come into people's houses. But, yeah, yeah and, and they, they, they can cause a lot of problems, problems because uh, in, in low-income housing, like, uh, they've done studies where a lot of the breathing uh, ailments, asthmas and, and certain bronchitis and things, um, are due to the fact that the levels of chitin in, in the air due to cockroach sheds and cockroach grasses and, you know, just general cockroachiness being around, like, it really affects the health of people in these, like, inner-city, low-income housing. And so, you know, they, they can really be detrimental to human health. Um, but, you know, you can't, can't say cockroaches are bad because cockroaches are super important. Now, the Madagascar hissing cockroach, does that make a good pet? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they do well if you, you take good care of them. Um, they don't bite. They have some big spines on their legs that they can kind of stab with. But they um, don't fly either, They right? don't fly. They're wingless. So, uh, yeah, Madagascar hissing cockroaches are, are, are decent, decent pets. I know in a lot of, uh, like, entomology programs, you know, there's a lot of, you get a, an insect pet, and it's usually like a Madagascar hissing cockroach, and uh, just one observe it, and see, you know, take notes about it, and then, you know, at the end, they're like, you can give it back, or you can keep it forever, and, you know, if you want more, uh, they breed like roaches, so, uh, you can have a few to start your own colony, um, but, yeah, they're, I mean, Cockroaches are pretty awesome. Now, I've seen a female Madagascar hissing cockroach have babies, and that was... The live birth. Who? I mean, that's intense. I have to show you some Gone down a cockroach path. Yeah. We did. Weren't we talking about beetles? <laughs> I know, I was like, we should talk about cockroaches, yeah, apparently. I mean, but yeah. I have some more beetle questions. Specifically, I want to eat about, talk about, eat about, eat about, talk about the flesh-eating beetle. Flesh-eating I would like you to talk about That's a cute one. That is actually really cute. So you look up this cockroach uh, called the desert cockroach or the seven-spotted cockroach or the Indian domino cockroach because it is adorable. It's cute. It's, uh, it looks like a ladybug that's dressed in, like, it wants to, bill. yeah, like it wants to go emo. I mean, there are um, plenty of ladybugs that have that coloration too. And okay, that's one, one of the reasons they think <laughs> they, they have that because, because a lot of the the, the coccinella, the ladybugs are are they have some toxicity. They taste yeah. bad. So. Oh, and ladybugs are beetles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, back to beetles. Yeah. yeah. Look at it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and I really don't understand. Like ladybugs are they're, they're like universally loved. Universally loved. Adorable. Like, good luck good symbol. Luck, yeah. Um, a lot of positive culture, but if you really think about a ladybug, like a ladybug is hardcore. You guys will ruin ladybugs? Ari might make it better. Okay. Like, they're hardcore. Like, if you think about what a, a, a lady beetle ladybug um, does on a, on a daily basis, like, they are aphid-eating machines. Like, like if you... Uh, I think maybe that's why they are loved. Yeah, you know, they're maybe. good for um, agriculture, but they, like... Hundreds of aphids just, you know, that like ascend on a plant and just like strip it of its aphids, you know. Like, so they're like really hardcore, and no one thinks of like a ladybug going down and just like devouring all these other little insects. Um, even their larvae. 
are predators on aphids. Um, and some some ladybugs specialize in eating mites, and then there are some. I thought you said mice. You said mice. mice. And then uh, <laughs> a big ladybug. Uh, some of the the, the coccinellidae family uh, do like the bean beetles and stuff. Will eat some plants. Um, so yeah, uh, but super cool. But you know that's uh, one of the, the insects, insects that, that was fortunate cool. because it it got a good rap and now everybody loves. But um, people unfortunately, love dress up like ladybugs for Halloween. The, uh, the ladybugs in in North America are not doing so well because they're getting displaced by introduced species like the seven spotted ladybug and the Asian ladybug not native kind of taken over everything mm. they've almost you know there was a nine spotted lady, lady beetle that was a native to the United States it is now um, pretty imperiled and there's uh, you know there's a a university out of New York somewhere that has uh, the Lost Ladybug Project. So if you see a nine-spotted ladybug, you're supposed to report it because it's like a big deal now. And even though that used to be like the most common ladybug in the U.S. Does, does it actually have nine spots? It does. Sometimes. Sometimes it's none. Sometimes it's two. You know, it's a little diverse, but you know. That's, but yeah, if you, could count, if you could count the nine spots. Like how do you know? How do you know it's a nine-spotted ladybug? You do Google or Bug Guide. Um, I don't know, Bug Guide is a great reference um, for North American insects. And then the, the Lost Ladybug Project website will teach you how to distinguish. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, people think of you know, the lady beetles as like the red with the black spots. But there are, there are you know, black ones with orange and black with white and completely black and you know, metallic blue and yellow and gray. And, you know, they come in all. It's like whenever you talk about like a beetle family, you just assume that like every shape, size, color. You know, just... Speaking of hardcore beetles, hardcore beetles. I would like to ask you about the flesh-eating beetles. What what's up with that? Go. <laughs> the flesh-eating. What's up with that? Well, Carly mentioned, right, like, people keep colonies of them oh, to, like, strip messing. skulls. Oh, okay. gotcha. See, she just wasn't saying it right. Because a lot of beetles eat flesh. Are you talking about, like... Sorry. The, the ones people, people keep to help with taxidermy purposes. Yeah. So the dermestid beetles are... Or murder. It's another... <laughs> oh, murder. Uh, another big family, and, um, but the the ones that are most most known are the ones that eat the eat the flesh off of um, bodies and they're used to clean you know bones or for specimens and uh, things of that nature but yeah those are those are cool and a lot of people do keep those for for pets um, kind of a stinky hobby yeah it is <laughs> you would have to feed them yeah and I had, had a colony once like at, a, starting a true crime job at a place <laughs> That I worked, and we uh, we, would, we would get specimens. We got like we had a grizzly bear skull once, and we had to clean it because the beetles couldn't handle like the amount of beetles we had. First of all, bear head wouldn't fit in our tank because it was huge, and then we had to clean like a lot of it off because it was just so thick, the muscles that it would have taken them forever to do, and there was a little 
too much humidity in the room, so the flesh started getting melty. And, and it was, they, they, they don't like, they like uh, dried flesh. And a lot of dermestid beetles are problems in uh, insect collections and uh, preserved specimen collections because they do go after like uh, keratin and chitin are some of their, you know, they can actually digest keratin, which is, you know, kind of an uncommon thing that most things can digest. Um, the cockroaches can and the dermestid beetles can. And so they go after these specimens and they'll like destroy entire museum collections. So uh, you, gotta, you gotta watch for the buffalo hide beetles and a lot of museum beetles. Um, but there are some dermestids out there that just like to hang out in flowers and eat pollen and drink nectar. And... It's not fair to stereotype them as murderers. Yeah. Well, they don't do the murdering. Murdering. They just have the crime scene cleanup. Right. And they're, they're some of the last ones to come into because they like... They, they like, like kind of the jerky, jerky you yeah. know, the, the last, the latter stages of, of decay, you know. The bits and pieces. Bits and pieces at the end. They'll eat the hair, they'll eat the, the kind of dry flesh, but yeah, they, they don't, don't like the, the real, real fresh stuff. stuff. That's, that's for the flies and some of the other, other beetles like the necrophorus and other sulfids. There are some really hardcore little beetles in Asia that, um, both the larval stage and the adult stage prey on amphibians and they pretend to be injured they're like oh, I'm hurt and then the frog will come over and try and eat them and then the, the, the larval will grab a hold of the frog and like start drinking its fluids and then the, the adult does the same thing where it like well oh, I'm hurt and then when the frog tries to eat it it'll just go in and like kill the frog and then just eat the body now do um, they it eats an entire frog yeah but they drink the fluids first? Do the, the larval stage. The larval is stage. Like drinking the fluids. Is it like the way a tarantula does it? It ejects an enzyme and makes everything all gushy, or does it just drink it straight? So they've got the, the mandibles that they use to pierce, and then there's a little bit of a, a venom that does do some liquefaction, but they kind of just like drink blood and fluid that leak down through them. Delicious. Amphibians are pretty soft, anyways. Yeah. Squishy. Squishy. But yeah, I mean, you know. Do they get some of these like monsters and horror things from the ideas of bugs? Because I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, if you if you watch Star Wars, like you mm. can, you can almost go through with the key and be like, I know what that came from, and I know what you know. Like some of the like a lot of Hollywood sci-fi, you know, comes from. In insects, you know, like a lot of the the parasite movies, like that's not new. Like Alien, where like something comes bursting out of your body, like in the insect world, pretty common. You know, a lot of tarantulas, a lot of wasps will, will lay eggs and things, and then the larva will eat, and before it comes out, you know, before it grows up, from the inside out, yeah, it's like bursts forth into the world and. You know, yeah. so a lot of Hollywood sci-fi is, is based in insect reality mm. and super hardcore insects, all of them. So I think my brain just exploded. <laughs> Sorry, I thought about the bot fly for some bot reason. Bot flies! This is new. I don't know why I just thought about the bot fly. 
That guy's cool. That guy. One of my goals in life is to harbor a human botfly. You know, there was this no. There was yeah. a British guy yeah. that got a botfly and he didn't want to remove it. And he, I think he named him George or something. And then George finally became problematic and painful. So he tried everything to get George out with like the meat on his stomach. Like it, it was then like it had established. So it took him a long time to get rid of him. But you wanna harbor, want you wanna invite one over for dinner? Yeah, I would, I would like to host a botfly because you know, as a as a male, that's like I would be able to to take something in my body and. And give it life. That you know? paternal instinct. Yeah, I think it would be it would be my baby, a little baby botfly, and it would be super awesome. I would you want to get it out live, or would you want it to like mature? No, I would want it to go through its life it. cycle and then pop out of my skin, pupate, and then I would keep the pupa in a jar until the fly emerged, and then that fly I would pin and I would keep in a special box. It's like, this is my botfly, you want to see it? I uh, raised this from birth and then I killed it. Yeah. The botflies have a cool kind of transmission because the, the adults of the human botfly will attack a mosquito and they'll glue the egg to the mosquito's proboscis. And so when the mosquito comes and feeds, the body heat melts the glue and the egg kind of falls right there and then it goes and burrows into the skin. Parasites are fascinating. Super fascinating. There's Parasitology, just like a whole other amazing topic. I remember in like one of my diseases classes learning about the ones that crawl out of the horse's butt at night and then as the sunlight comes back up, yeah. I think that's a lot of parasites because there's worms. ones that also yeah. like kids get a lot of that they pinworms. Pinworms, there it is. It's Top that like. <laughs> Have you guys seen the, um, you know, on parasites, completely aside, the, uh, the videos that are coming out of, like, Alaska and where the salmon, the bear eat a lot of salmon, they'll have, like, 40, 50 feet of tapeworm hanging yeah. out of the bear. And Do you also want to host tapeworm someday? You know, not a good idea. Yeah. But you know, a botfly is. Botfly, botfly is, like, very... Surface, you know, yeah. you can eat it a little bit of my arm. I wouldn't want one in my head. Like people who've got them in their head, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of room at all, so it like causes headache and there's a lot of pressure. But like in in a big fleshy piece, like leg or an arm, I like know, a butt cheek. I wouldn't be able to see it go through its life. Right, George was in the stomach. You know, you know then, it, then it would just be like like I have this. This was my pain in the ass, and you know I didn't ever get to see it. But, um, Do you have a name picked out? I don't. Oh. It'd be spur of the moment sort of thing. Okay. Gotta, gotta meet the yeah. individual, get a feel yeah. for the personality. Get to know it a little bit. Um. <laughs> He's not joking. Not at all. Dead serious. <laughs> there are more beetles? Yeah, there are, you know, the... the take some dark turns. <laughs> Handful of parasitic beetles, um, like the ones on on the beavers that eat, they suck the blood, uh, and they live in the fur. Those are wingless. And they they're only on beavers. Yeah, they're specific to beavers. Wow, that's very specialized. Mm -hmm. uh, it's past my bedtime, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Um, 
No, it's okay. That's long enough yeah. already. So what we usually like to ask class is, do you have any specific, I mean, I know in the last episode you mentioned some insect in general, specific things. And what was, was the, the ladybug one called again? The Lost Ladybug Project? Lost Ladybug uh, Project. Lightning bugs are also beetles. And there's the, the there's a lightning bug project. To, you know, if you see lightning bugs, you can report them. And they want to, you know, kind of track where the lightning bugs are still very prevalent. And then, you know, the, the Xerxes Society, Society again is for all invertebrate conservation. And they're, they're huge and, you know... They were a giant player in helping designate critical habitat for the solitary tiger beetles because they sued the shit out of the city of Lincoln and the state of Nebraska and game and fish. They sued everybody. It was amazing. Uh, so the other, they're huge allies for the invertebrate world, and you know we need uh, need all these creatures, and they're all super important. So um, yeah, just uh, there's so much to be discovered and. Uh, Every day we're losing amazing animals to extinction that we'll never know existed, um, and it's, it's very sad. But yeah, we just need to, to start, start appreciating the little things in the world uh, a little bit more. So go forth into the world like an insect erupting from the chest of its prey and save the beetles. Yeah. Yeah. Don't run and hide from the light and retreat into the anus. <laughs> Burst from the chest. Burst from the chest. Thank you so much, Tony, for uh, sitting down and chatting with us yeah, and talking about Beatles. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this opens up people's eyes, your five listeners, my five listeners, to the little things in the world, and they'll start appreciating. Yeah, appreciate the insects. Because the, the big picture is made up of little pixels, and no one appreciates the little pixels. That's beautiful. Thank you.